0: I can't go on Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt And this is Cutting Through the Matrix On March 26, 2010 For the newcomers out there You should go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website Bookmark all the other sites You'll see I have up on the front page Because once in a while the com goes down There's too many folk going into it at one time And this way you'll be able to get the latest shows for download for free from these alternate sites. Now, these are the official sites, cuttingthroughthematrix.com, .org, .net, .us, .ca. There's Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, and there's also com plus Alan Watt, sentient, sentinel.eu. The last one is a European site, has all the audios. As, as the rest do for download But as addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given in the past And you can choose from the various languages of Europe Download them, print them up And pass them around to your friends Now from the US to Canada Remember, if you want to order the books and discs I have for sale At cuttingthrothematrix.com You can use a personal check to Canada You can also use an international postal money order Which is from your post office and if you don't like to go through the bank but I stress international don't walk out with a green one that's internal use only and you can also use MoneyGram, Western Union, Cash or PayPal now there's a donation button or donate button for PayPal on the sites you can use that for buying as well just send a separate email with the order along with the donation from PayPal and I'll get it out to you same across the rest of the world PayPal, MoneyGram, Cash, or Western Union uh, all work pretty fine. And Cash does get through, by the way. So I've heard. Anyway, for those who get the disc burned and pasted them, who don't like to use the computers, they play them on CD players, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site41, Box4, Estaire, Ontario, Canada. Estaire is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada postal code is p for peter the number three e for elizabeth the number four n for nora and the number one p3e 4 n1 now that's that out of the way but i really do need you to help me because most folk listen all the time i never think about sending a, a couple of pennies this way uh, even though they're paying for other people's archives to get into archives all my stuff's free And they'll expect everyone else to do the the paying for it. That's an unfortunate statement about humanity today, when they think everything is free. Most things that are free out there, believe you me, are not for your own benefits. It's to put a spin on something, or to monitor you, or something like that. That's how things really do work in this day and age. We should know that by now. We've all supposedly grown up. Although some people never ever do. I've talked before about cause and effects in society and our lives, too. For everything we do, every action that we do, there's an equal and opposite reaction. That's an old dictum, which is very, very, very true. And we have spent so long creating cultures. Cultures take an awful long time to create, uh, organize, and work themselves out with conflicts until you have a, a fairly standardized culture. Uh, But in this day and age, of course, uh, the Western cultures are supposed to simply bow down and eventually fall down in front of the world's cultures, because that's the intention. We're supposed to all blend in with the New World Order as uh, the Far East and other countries are brought up to be more dominant as industrialists. And... The United Nations has said that that we cannot allow ourselves to be offended anymore. So in other words, anything that used to offend you through culture is not allowed. You're not allowed to be offended by other cultures, no matter what else they do. They, on the other hand, can be offended by whatever you do, and they found that out in Britain. I'll be back with more after this break. Hi, folks. This is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix, just mentioning about how the big United Nations plan that was really hatched in London by the bankers who set it up and run it through the Milner Group that became the Royal Institute for International Affairs, CFR, how they, they basically knew they'd have to destroy the Western cultures and their values over a period of time. And so they, get, they went together to and got set on a cultural war that really started during World War II and really escalated afterwards uh, down to debasement. And they said themselves they would use uh, communists and various other groups. Uh, They didn't care, in fact, according to Professor Carl Quigley, who they recruited. They could use all the causes. The more causes, the better, because you've got radical groups that will then take cash from you and you can direct them. And all of the groups that wanted a sort of world uh, society, a social society, were promoted. But they also wanted to use Karl Marx's uh, ideas, too, and destroyed the family units, um, religion, of course, and even separate the generations from each other. And that's been very well accomplished. And then w- with the Royal Institute of International Affairs annual meetings, if you go into their old books from the 30s, for instance, you'll find that they talked about setting up... Um, I saw a free trade zone, but not just a free trade zone, free flow of workers that were needed, that, that is, in, in the countries that signed on to the British Commonwealth that became the nucleus for the world order that we're in today. That's what they used as a basis for it. And the United Nations agrees about that, that the, that the British Commonwealth was a nucleus and the ideal, the ideal model to base it on. And at that time, they didn't—they uh, uh, didn't want so many coming in from India, for instance, into Britain. And the, the ambassadors from India were complaining about that. How can you have this, this free flow of goods and trade and, and people, but exclude India? But they were told their time would come, and it certainly did in the 70s. 80s and 90s, and Margaret Thatcher even admitted the reason he'd opened the, the floodgates to, uh, of immigration to a country that was massively uh, underemployed uh, was that they didn't have enough children getting born from the, the native Britons to pay off the national debt. So, so we exist really. See, we, we exist really as economic units to serve the big banking boys and their systems. But it went further and further and further as it was known to do until you have many mayors of big cities in England who were not born there and uh, often Christmas is banned, things like that is all banned. Anything to do with uh, the old culture is simply verboten and you get fined for uh, putting up uh, Christmas things in stores and so on at Christmas time. Uh, That's how ridiculous it all becomes and what's even more so is the propaganda campaign that goes on at the people back home uh, to bow down, just keep bowing down and get on your knees and, and show off your behind and just take it. That's basically what the, you're told to do over and over again because in a new world order it's supposed to be multicultural but preference is given to those uh, who come in from uh, the other countries. Preference is definitely given to them because they want those countries on board with the new world order and therefore their, their cultures must be allowed to expand as yours decline. And eventually theirs gets knocked on the head as well because corruption sets in and uh, the lure of money is so great that all values, even their own religious values, go down the tubes eventually. That's really the New World Order's idea of a new culture. It's a dog-eat-dog system, really. But when you start up a national health service, and I've mentioned this before, uh, Marx talked about this kind of ideas and that was, was brought into more concretized form by Lenin, who said in the West, services would be offered to the public health services, police services, and so on, that one day would become authorities and they'd manage the people. Well, you see, a health service managed through government obviously is run by for political reasons. And it's also true that whenever the IMF comes in, as it has already in Britain, they always slash and burn the easiest things, which are pension plans and your health service. But what they do mandate as a priority is abortion, fast abortion, and fast vasectomy, fast um, tubal ligations for women. Because they want a depopulation agenda to go underway. That's really what they're using it for now. If you have something seriously wrong with you, good luck to you. You might wait for months, maybe a year, and possibly you'll be dead by that time. It got so bad over there, and I've I mentioned about a video before that was put up by I think it was Channel Four about how bad the National Health Service had become uh, with its slash and burn policies, where the government was dictating they get more beds open, and so the CEOs of the of the hospitals got very ingenious. And simply put trolleys in the corridors Took off the wheels Now they were stationary, they called them beds But they also sent out flyers to all those awaiting surgeries You know, important surgeries And um, they asked them on the flyer questionnaires, when will you be taking your holidays And of course folk thought, well, they want to know So they don't send it then uh, When we're on holiday Well, the, the idea was, yes, that's when they would send it And that's when they did send them to thousands of people who were on holiday at the time, and so they were. They went back to the bottom of the waiting list. That's how they go round all this kind of stuff. These are the games that go on. No kidding. When governments in charge of health, but they did admit that the priority was still going on for vasectomies, abortions, and tubal ligations to do with infertility, because it's a UN mandate that every country's signed on to. However, here's an article here to show you how lucrative it is. Uh, for the system too and how they're getting under the EU now they're all under the super parliament they were conned into a super parliament uh, and they take dictates from that um, now people from all over Europe can go to Britain for their abortions paid for by the British taxpayer and this is from the mail online it says get a free abortion on the National Health Service Polish women are advised to travel to Britain for treatment 16th of March 2010 Polish women are being told to come to Britain for free abortions to avoid strict laws at home. They're being urged to take advantage of cheap flights and hotels as part of a poster campaign which features a semi-naked woman with the words My Choice written across her stomach. The flyers which are being distributed by pro-abortion campaigners in Poland mimic the Mastercraft series of priceless adverts. The lenders campaign features different scenarios such as a first date or trip to the World Cup with various prices alongside. You get a whole package deal here, and the taxpayer is picking up the tab. Eh? Polish women are being told to come to Britain for free abortions to avoid the laws at home. They're being urged to take advantage of the cheap flights, blah blah blah. The flyers, which are being distributed by pro-abortion campaigners in Poland, Poland here say they distribute... This is, keeps repeating itself, this darn thing. In the Polish ad, uh, the woman has various slogans in her stomachs translated, such as plane ticket to England, at special offer, 300 uh, zloty, which is about £70. Accommodation, 240 zloty, £56. Abortion, a public clinic, zero zloty, so it's paid for by the, the British taxpayer. Thank you very much. Just keep bending over bending over and bending over. And it's all done through government and with uh, uh, the approval of governments, as the country supposedly broke. Supposedly broke. And as so say, if you really want something important, forget it. You'll be dead. You'll be dead. Now, cause and effect, cause and effect. Well, you see, since the 40s and 50s, speeding up through the 60s with the uh, the whole push on to create pre-pubertal sex and then massive teenage sex uh, through the music industry and the movie industry and promoted from the top down. There was natural uh, a lot of natural a lot of fallout. But the idea, of course, according to Wells and and Huxley and Bertrand Russell, who tried experimental schools along the subject of pre-pubertal uh, uh, sexual intercourse. Uh, was to ensure that the children wouldn't uh, wouldn't bond with any one person That would put the end to marriage Remember, that was a priority An absolute priority And with the side effects comes the effects uh, For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction And uh, so people got pregnant Well, they put all their money into um, finding uh, the pill Contraception pills And putting up the money for, to make sure they got abortions until the abortions become normal. And apparently I've heard women actually say that it's just like uh, getting a wart removed. And that's the value of human life. That's what it sinks down to. And I said years ago, I said eventually they'll go for the elderly. And I've read the articles here even recently, even more, more of them where they want to open clinics up for the elderly. If you're just too tired of life, not physically sick, but just too tired of life, you can go to a clinic and get bumped off for free. Well, do you realise where all this goes? This dehumanisation of life. To understand what it's all about and where it ends up. Because you see, if you can't respect life and you can't respect you can't respect each other, either. Also, when government wants to kill you off, you'll say, "Well, why shouldn't they? They've got the right to do it. What are we anyway?" You're devaluating yourself as you accept all these things, piece by piece by piece psychology. It's understood. For every effect is an equal, every reaction is an equal and opposite reaction. And what you hear today, well, really, it's, it's not my fault. As we go hear. when a boy or a girl end up in trouble, it's not my fault. Like they had nothing to do with it. And the government's only, only too happy through their education to so say, yes, yeah, true, you had, you had nothing to do with it. So you take all responsibility out of their hands. And who takes on the responsibility? The state does. The state takes responsibility over life and death, who gets born, who doesn't. Do you understand what that's all about? This is bigger than someone's right to decide. It's putting power into the hands of people who want to euthanize a good portion of the public. There's far bigger consequences to everything that we do than most folk even realize. Remember, the government wanted to take away the community. They used to help each other out and give you government agencies that now become authorities. All that kind of stuff comes when you allow government to take over. The nanny state, they call it. But then the nanny uh, becomes rather nasty in her old age, and she tells you who can be born and who can't be born. But don't you worry, it wasn't your fault. You had nothing to do with it. I'll be back with more on this topic after this break. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Just talking about the dehumanization of society and how it's planned that way. The whole idea, I remember Julian Huxley said we have to dethrone man from his pedestal where he thinks that he's the most supreme being on the planet, the most, uh, the highest creature on in the world and they'd have to get it through our thick skulls that we are now uh, down to the level of animals. And even below, in fact, according to Maurice Strong, he actually said that we wish you would have the rights of the tree or animals at the Rio Earth Summit meeting. And they're not kidding. But, as I say, you're supposed to keep bowing and bowing to the the different... uh, uh, cultures. Remember that China, for instance, is the model state for the United Nations to copy for this one child per family policy, which isn't quite true because I've read an article not too long ago where the Chinese government will allow you to pay a slight kind of penalty if you're wealthy enough have a second child, because they do believe in eugenics, so the wealthier ones must be the most successful, therefore they can have more than one child, and they can afford to pay the little penalties that go along with it. But for the rest, no. Social disapproval says, well, you're taking food away from children to come if you have a second child, so we're going to abort it. And the BBC did a documentary a while back where they showed you, you could they were buying uh, fetuses outside the back doors of the, the abortion clinics uh, for food. Uh, because it's a health food, you see China, they're crazy on health foods And foods that give them virility They're, they're fanatical about anything that gives them virility I can remember years ago A documentary where they showed you uh, About the ivory trade coming out of Africa And at that time A lot of rhinoceroses were, were being destroyed Just for the horn Which was scraped into a powder Because the Chinese believed it was very potent, you see and they like to eat their food where it's still jumping around on the table. If you watch the movie or the documentary uh, The Largest Chinese Restaurant in the World, uh, you'll see how they prepare the food and the, and the fish are still mouthing away on your plate. And uh, it's the same thing with other animals as well. Different culture, you see. Different culture altogether. But we're supposed to just sit back and say, well, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. However... It goes worse than that, remember China is the model state for the world, but you see what happens too is a dehumanization process uh, when um, life becomes so cheap and they do have mandatory abortion, and they do uh, have a history of killing off especially the females in in the families and that was actually promoted that the the, the u n looked at that. Uh, That that part of the Chinese tradition And didn't stop it and They'd encourage it because they wanted to drastically uh, Bring down the populations Now there's far too many males In China compared to to women Big shortage But here's an article from the Old Times in Korea Saturday, started March 27th And it's quite gruesome And by the way, don't look at this article If you really are very squeamish Or you have a conscience at all uh, Because there's graphic photographs uh, in this one And it's letters to the editor um, From someone in the field, obviously And they show you human uh, fetuses being boiled And prepared for the kitchen uh, For health food and sexual potency It uh, says so some of the Chinese people Are known to be eating babies and the news circulated through the Internet or via webmail, communication is shocking the world. An email report received by the Seoul Times confirmed that news with several vivid and appalling pictures of human embryos, fetuses being made into a soup for human consumption. The report went on. A town in the southern province of Canton in Guangdong it's now on trend, uh, uh, taking baby herbal soup to increase overall health and stamina and the power of sexual performance in particular. They really believe in this stuff. The cost in China currency approximately is $4,000, and then it gives you the, the Korean equivalent. A factory manager was interviewed, and he testified that it is effective because he's a frequent customer. It's a delicacy whereby expensive herbs are added t- to boil the baby with chicken meat f- for eight hours uh, of bawling and, and steaming He pointed to his second wife is next to him She's 19 years old and he's 62 He claims to have sex every day After waiting for a couple of weeks He took the reporter to the restaurant Where he was informed by the restaurant manager That the spear rib soup uh, Which is a local code for baby soup Was now available And then they, they go on and on and on about it but There's lots of photographs there And it's not for the squeamish and, uh, you know, we're supposed to accept all this kind of stuff in our stride, I suppose. But what I'm mentioning this for, you to understand that we are being dehumanized in, in the same way, deliberate way, by the way. Uh, because we think nothing of it. And the feminist groups were, rat, were incredibly funded by the big foundations, by whom guys like Rockefeller, who's up there on Google and many other videos talking about the need to drastically reduce the world's population. So he's all for this stuff. All these groups are used, you see, and they always get the most radical spokespeople to come out to advocate it. But where does it end up? Cause and effect, remember, cause and effect, cause and effect. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction, and we're being dehumanized at one incredible speed. Incredible speed, and it will come because of the optimum population trust and all the branches across the world. The guys who advise Prince Charles and all the other biggies uh, The guys like Christopher Tickle Who talks about uh, the need to, to drastically depopulate You have also Mr. Holdren on Obama's staff right now Who co-authored the book Ecoscience With the other fanatics Talking about mandatory sterilization and so on One day you might see that on the tables here as well For you to eat And you probably won't mind like the floor after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix Just mentioning cause and effects and how when you promote nothing but sex, 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 sex And uh, you create a culture where if you're over 25 you're over the hill Because no one else really matters in this culture according to the media and entertainment uh, But you promote nothing but sex, then there's, there's uh, consequences to all of that And we don't like to think of that And meanwhile you already have women in the western world having uh, injections into their skin and, and uh, there's, there's uh, stem cells from fetuses and creams with, with, with aborted fetuses and they think nothing of it. Well, what's the next step? What's the next step? Is it going to be like China? Well, yes, it will become that way. Absolutely. And I'll bet you, by the way, it's already happening in the Western world. Guarantee you. Already happening. Got to get the life force out of the very, very young, eh? The old, the ancient witchcraft stuff. Some of animistic magic will be transferred from the object to you. Paganism, and it's an extreme. All the way back. Climb up the, climb up the ladder and then it fall down so fast. Eh? Happily so, as we gorge ourselves on entertainment and the children see nothing but sex, sex, sex. That's all they see in much music. That's so all it's about, sex. Don't ever get a partner for life, whatever you do. Just have as many as you want. So everyone's disposable, the partners are disposable, and so is the the outcome, the child. Cause and effect. Dehumanization. Huxley, remember what he said? CEO of the UNESCO. Old dethroned man from his pedestal. Well, it's happened, folks. Now, another article is interesting. People have heard of the the, um, Common Purpose Organization. And Britain, it's, uh, I personally think it's an offshoot authorized by the Royal Institute for International Affairs because they go by the same rules as that organization. But they've infiltrated every part of governments and local authorities and even the military. Even though that's illegal, you cannot have a so-called po- a private charitable organization with an agenda um, uh, encroaching on people who are presently involved in the military. But they've done it, which tells me that it's been authorized from the top. And they also look for young children. They're very interested in young children, very, very interested to get future leaders for the post-democratic society to train them from youth to rule over us, you see. And here's one of them. He's one of the characters from this organization. The Mail Online Children's Charity Boss admits string of sadistic sex attacks on prostitutes in a torture chamber bedroom. 23rd of March, 2010. Now, I'll put all these links up at the end of the show, remember, at cuttingtruthematrix.com. If ExploreNet gives me the, graces me with the speed to get it up there so instead of the twice up the dial up, which is supposed to be high speed. So, Children's ch- uh, Charity Boss has admitted a string of sadistic sex attacks And four prostitutes. Matthew Byrne, 38, made his victims dress up as young schoolgirls before carrying out horrific sex assaults on them at, in his rural home. Liverpool Crown Court heard the senior charity worker tied up See, charity workers, you see. Foundations charities. Tied up, gagged and strangled his victims for his own sexual pleasure. He then used a the cane to repeatedly beat the women who were tied to his bed while he carried out the obscene acts. In another attack, he repeatedly whipped his victim until her blood sprayed over his bedroom walls. He then used a the plastic bag to suffocate the woman until she saw black spots in front of her eyes and thought she was going to die. After being released, the woman discovered she had 40 whip marks to her body and legs. The police raided Burns' home in New Brighton. They discovered he had, tortured a, uh, he had turned a bedroom into a torture chamber. And then they found a double bed with shackles, uh, leather collars, cane, ropes, tapes, and girls' clothing. He also had a collection of violent pornography, while his computer revealed he had accessed a string of sadistic websites. The DNA and blood from Byrne's victims was also uncovered. Byrne, who ran the young person's advisory service, previously worked with children as young as 10. And as I say, too, he also worked with Common Cause, Common Purpose. The charity worker uh, changed some of his pleas shortly before he was due to stand trial. A of 24 charges at Liverpool Crown Court yesterday, and so on, and so on, and so on. But that's the society we now have. And to be honest with you, when you see some of the movies are churning out, it's almost acceptable. What I'm reading here is acceptable. You understand that? As we're degraded and degraded and degraded. Sado-masochism. The cheapness of life. Pain, punishment, death. And it's called entertainment. Quite something. Now, the North American Amalgamation is still going on. The last signatory has been done this year, 2010, supposedly for the complete integration of the Americas. And they hushed it up last year, but they still passed. went through and signed it. This year is the final one because in 2005 on Canadian television, they did show the the, the president and two uh, prime ministers signing the first open agreement. I say open agreement. And they said that the last one would be done in 2010. But they're copying Europe, you see. And that was brought up at the 2005 meeting on television where uh, President Bush was says, this sounds awful like the European Union. And, uh, and then Bush jumped in and he said, well, what's wrong with that? He says, he says yeah, free trade is good for us. And, and he skipped over all the other stuff that come with free trade, like total amalgamation and massive immigration and all the rest of it. But here's where this uh, new totalitarian regime... Remember, these these organizations that come out uh, when they amalgamate countries are not democratic by any means at all. They're dictatorial powers, and even ex-communists have come out and said the same thing. This article here says, New Economic Union Gestapo to spy on everyone, and this is from the Sovereign Independent. A new European intelligence agency, Europol, has been handed frightening powers to pry into everyone's lives. And it's come to the States, too. We've already amalgamated CSIS and uh, the FBI in Canada. The agency of the EU can access information on everyone and anyone, including their political opinions and sexual preferences, if it suspects, rightly or wrongly, that they may be involved in any preparatory act which could lead to criminal activity. That covers anything, folks because everyone is a possible criminal given the right circumstances, like starvation. I'm sure some will say that calling Europol the Gestapo is unrealistic and over-the-top, but if you consider that during the reign of the Nazis, they would have to infiltrate social democratic and communist opposition, whereas today the powers that be can sit in an office performing information gathering using phone tapping, email and internet usage, are Europol not a worse threat to our freedoms? The vagueness of the Hague-based force, that's UN again, remits sparked, uh, uh, sparked fewest protests in UK yesterday with critics warning that the EU snoopers threaten a right to free speech. It's understood the agency will concentrate on anyone thought xenophobic, that's like fear of other people, other nations, other nationalities, or likely to commit a crime involving the environment, computers or motor vehicles. This could include covert monitoring of people who deny the existence of climate change. No kidding, it will. Or speak out on controversial issues. Uh, You know, that's what they did in the Soviet Union. They locked you up in psychiatric hospitals. If you didn't go along with any mandate, when reality would change, and you suddenly had to adapt to the new newspeak, Uh, they'd say that you had inflexibility of opinion. That was considered a mental disorder. Paul Nuttall, chairman of the UK Independence Party, said, I'm horrified. We thought Gordon Brown's big brother state was bad enough, but at least we are going to kick him out in May. What would be a difference in it? Whoever comes in will be the same. These guys we cannot sack until we leave the EU. James Welsh, leader director of campaign group Liberty, said, We have huge concerns that Europol appears to have been given powers to hold very sensitive information and to investigate matters that aren't even crimes in the country. Any extension of police powers at any level needs to be properly debated and scrutinized. Well, fat chance, because you see, there is no debating going on at the EU Parliament. Even the politicians cannot make laws or, or adjust them or knock them out. It's done by a secretive group at the top. And that's a fact, folks. I've read the articles before. Oh, it's going to be so wonderful, this free trade stuff. That's all it is, you know, just free trade. Boom, you're amalgamated with a super parliament. (laughs) Now, also, under a National Health Service, which is getting rammed through in the U.S., to bring in the minimalistic care, minimal care, under the U.N.'s agenda, that's what it said at the World Health Organization, that every country will have uh, minimal care available to all people but they also have a tiered system for the very, very rich and wealthy and those who are very important to society, your status in society. In Britain, the National Health Service bureaucrats, the number of them, the bureaucrats just dealing with the National Health Service, increases six times as fast as the number of nurses. Too many chiefs, 26th of March, 2010. The workforce of bureaucrats in the National Health Service is growing six times as quickly as the number of nurses, according to official figures. While the number of health service managers went up 12% in one year, the number of nurses increased by less than 2%, and the number of health visitors plummeted. Since the Labour Party came to power, the number of managers has almost doubled, partly as a result of the need to monitor stringent Whitehall targets on waiting times, so they have all these guys employed to monitor and waiting times. <laughs> like in five years. <laughs> what, what, what's your problem? Oh, I've got cancer. Okay, you're five years. Five years. Come back in five years, son. And then the one next to you. What, what's wrong with you? Well, I want an abortion. Oh, No problem. Come into the clinic tomorrow. Half past two. I'm not kidding. That's what's going on there. You see, it's not healthcare at all. It's a political agenda. That's what government does. Everything government does is political. You can't mix it with healthcare. You can't mix it. Now, I read, I read from Jack's Atali's book a while back. The first one that he put out was called uh, Millennium. Winners and losers in the coming new world order. And he said that, and he works at the United Nations, remember, and he said the next boat people would be Americans leading, leading their countries, leaving the shores uh, for work overseas. And the creme de la creme would be recruited by uh, the leading countries in, in commerce, and they'd travel off to other countries. I could have new nomadic people that would go from from budding countries to budding countries, according to the economies. Well, here's an article here about the U.S., and it's already happening there. It's already been happening in uh, Europe for a long time. In fact, they had the European paper, and this full of ads for the creme de la creme. Everyone else is left behind, of course, and this is from businessweek.com. Business school grads are flocking to Asia for jobs. Exodus of talent from the U.S. may be part of a structural shift in a corporate world. This is James Crawford says he hopes he can capitalize on his Columbia MBA in Shanghai. Special report. For decades, the US manufacturing jobs have been slipping away, even as American factories churn out billions of dollars worth of goods. This is James Tsai, a sort of MBA corporate recruiter, uh, recruiter's covet. He went to a good prep school, earned a degree with honors. From Middlebury College and made Vice President in Bank of America's International Wealth Management Group at the age of 26 Today Tsai is about to graduate, straight A's in hand from Northwestern's uh, Kellogg School of Management A top-rated program in America and he's hustling to land his first uh, post-MBA job in China Executive class drivers like Tsai used to have to have just one post-grad career destination in the U.S. But not anymore. I'm doing everything I, I think I can to get over there, he says. Every era has its version of the MBA dream. In the 80s, it was all about conquering Wall Street and choppering off to the Hamptons. In the late 90s, saw a stampede to Silicon Valley in the, mid, the mid-aughts. The gilded clubby preserve of private equity beckoned. Now the emerging narrative is about steroidal Asia and its promise of growth. At premier institutions such as University of Chicago's Booth School, the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, and Northwestern's Kellogg, the percentage of MBAs taking jobs in Asia, including U.S. students like Tsai, as well as international students, has more than doubled in the past five years, from roughly 5% of the graduating class to more than 10%. There's a sense that the center of gravity is shifting, said Julie Morton, Booth's Associate Dean for Career Services. The number of students taking international uh, jobs usually swells in a recession, says Kellogg, Assistant Dean Rox and Horry. But Horry and others believe that the re- re- refrain of Go East, young man, is not a short-term response to U.S. economic downturn, but a structural shift towards an internationalized mobile talent market. That's exactly what Natalie called it years ago. A new nomadic class of professionals will move from up-and-coming countries to up-and-coming countries across the world, but they'll only take the creme de la creme, and all those with bees and so on will all be stuck inside their vastly armed and guarded countries. So that's what's coming. It's already here. Now, We've all heard about nanotechnology. They've kept it very quiet. I've had articles from the Nanotechnology associations to do with food where they actually disguised it and said they didn't want the public to know. They weren't too happy about it, so they're going about it surreptitiously. But anyway, it's already in the food. And it's from AOL News. AOL. Regulated or not, nanofoods are coming to a store near you. This is March 24. For centuries it was the cook and heat of the fire that cajoled tastes texture, flavor, and aroma from the pot. Today, that culinary voodoo has been crafted by white-coated scientists toiling in pristine labs, rearranging atoms into chemical particles never before seen. At last year's Institute of Food Technologists and International Conference, nanotechnology was a topic that generated the most buzz amongst the 14,000 food scientists, chefs, and manufacturers crammed into an Anaheim, California hall. Though it's a word that's probably never been printed on any menu and probably never will there was so much interest in the potential uses of nanotechnology for food that a separate day-long session focused just on that subject was packed to the overflowing in one corner of the convention center a chemist a flavorist and two food marking specialists clustered around a large chart of the periodic table of elements so you have to think back to your high school class in science the food chemist from China ran her hands over the chart pausing at different chemicals just long enough to see how a nanoized version of each would improve existing flavors or create new ones. One of the marketing guys questioned what would happen if the consumer found out. The flavorist asked whether the Food and Drug Administration would even allow nano-ingredients. Post a, ver- a variation of the latter question, Dr. Jesse Goodman, the agency's chief scientist and deputy commissioner for science and public health, gave a revealing answer. He said he wasn't involved enough with how the FDA was handling nanomaterials and food to discuss that issue. Well, actually, I'll put another link up, too, to show you that the FDA uh, aren't even looking into it. They're way behind it, and stuff is already being put in your food. So there's two articles I have on that to come up. Then I'm going to mention Pachori, Mr. Pachori, the wonderful guy from India, after this break. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the Matrix. And we've all heard of Mr. Pachori, the the guy who writes uh, porno novels at the IPCC. I've read the articles from the mainstream. Well, he's involved in a company, Tata. It's called Tata. Uh, They own uh, Jaguar, Land Rover and Tetley T. And if they get hundreds of billions, millions of pounds in green subsidies to build one of the world's biggest coal-fired power stations, and they're shutting them down in Britain and elsewhere... But they're building them in China. So they're getting subsidises, sub- subsidies to do this. Tattle received huge sums from the West for building the power station in India thanks to the carbon trading system <laughs> established by the Kyoto Treaty. Critics uh, say the system makes a mockery of attempts to combat climate change. When the plant near Port of Mudra and Gujarat becomes operational in 2011, it will emit 25.7 tonnes of carbon dioxide a year, more CO2 than any power station in Britain, yet it will be classed by the United Nations as a source of clean power. That means Tata will be able to sell surplus carbon credits established under the Kyoto Treaty to firms in the West. Energy groups will be able to buy the credits as an alternative to reducing CO2 emissions. But you have to wonder Mr. Pacuri because, you see, he, he's also involved as CEO of, of a subsidiary of Tata. They're all in it together. They're all filling their pockets with the with the laws that them, they themselves push through. All these psychopaths eh, doing very well for themselves, mind you, under this con game of carbon credits. Now, briefly, I'll, I'll go to. I think it's is it uh, Kevin in North Bay? Yep, that's me. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, just about graduating radio school. I'm almost done here. And uh, you know, one thing I want to I want to ask you, Alan. What do you think is probably one of the best solutions to really fight off this new world order system? Well, that's a question which you've been asking 50 years ago, <laughs> because. Uh, because it's, 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 it's taken years of, 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 secret negotiations between governments, uh, ever since the United Nations was set up, in fact, it, with many departments attached to it, all to bring in this new world order. Um, the overseas economic departments for investment, all these companies working together, private organizations working with governments, um, to bring all this in, working with your, with your, um, immigration policies, all of this stuff. And to be honest with you, uh, we're 50 years, whenever we start talking about something, it's almost 50 years too late, you know. Yeah. What, 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 what do you think of uh, Max Egan's idea of uh, of noncompliance on a mass scale? You know, mm-hmm. um, very quickly before the show ends, you know, this this whole New World Order system, it thrives on, peop- on it, people p- paying the price for their own slavery through the tax system and through the money yeah. system. Yeah. And I think that if you stop feeding the beast, you kill it, you know. Yeah. The problem is we we'll have never, ever had uh, enough of the public getting together and going along. You'll always find the majority of them don't want to stand up above the trenches and get their heads seen. Uh, they, they'd rather go along, and, and mind you, they'll take the benefits of a small minority do it and suffer and, and win, but uh, the, the majority will, will still go along. Uh, and again, we have a class system where the more wealthy to, to, to do uh, will not join in. They're okay with their jobs. They'll go along to their jobs. And everyone else will stay off work. But I know the idea. Technically, we have the, the ability, absolutely, to stop things in their track by non-compliance. Yeah, and I think, uh, well, I do think I do think that a, bo- a massive boycott, while the internet is still is still running strong, mm-hmm. I think um, I think that'd be the best means to do it. And I think it can be done. You'd be surprised how many people really are awake out there. They're awake, but they, what they need is a philosophy, a common philosophy, and where they would take it after they'd won. Uh, n- none of that exists right now, you see. That's the problem. Well, I hear the music and just to let you know Gandhi did it, and I think it can be done again. It certainly can be done, but it's up to us. But generally, when our backs are against the wall, unfortunately. From myself and, and, and uh, Hamish in Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your God's goal with you.